Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the Megas, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk about games. Uh, and I guess before we get to the Megas, there's plenty of games that we play, have have played uh, recently. Uh, I guess the most recent thing was Hell's Rebels, and then before that was Rune Lords, right? Yeah, because, you know, the, the moment we decided to set a schedule was the moment that we broke it, so we're actually recording this after the Hell's Rebels game instead of the night before. Yep. Uh, we're, real, we're, real, we're real good at this, guys. We promise. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Hell's Rebels, we, we the the party saw its first combat ever, and we almost only killed one of the party members. Um, that was... That, I honestly... It I wasn't even that, me. I fucked that up. I was... Uh, I should have made somebody spend an action point. I was just like... Because that was the point, right? Like, the point was he was holding, he was holding the hostage and he had the ready to action, and if anybody attacked him, he would just uh, standard attack... Um, Alaric or whatever, but then I was just like, you know, I can't, I can't murder, I can't murder him because I just whiffed and I forgot that action points were a thing. So I should have forced an action point out of either uh, Enoch or Charles oh, I, in I order was... to not die. But you do know, we? Uh, hey. What What are the rules for action points again? Because I wasn't like, I didn't think we had any yet, or maybe the, I... you you get you have so because you guys are level two now, uh, you have two. You have one from level one, one from level two. Okay. Um, and then you can use them to force any die roll that affects you um, to either be a 20 or a one, like a, like a nat 20 or a nat one. Um, and you can also use it to like kind of activate cinematic license uh, when it comes to when it comes to stuff. So if you want to do like, you know, the, something something that would be very much like this is Legolas sliding down the stairs on the shield. You know, like it just it looks cool, but mechanically he would have to hit like a like a DC eighty, you know, like bow, acrobatics check. You know, like that kind of thing, okay, right? Yeah. To just kind of wave all of that bullshit. It's so that rule of cool can take over um, um that's that okay that's that's fair um i think part of that was um i don't think it was particularly clear that the guy was standing with a ready to action i think that if you pushed it you're not gonna be like oh oh i didn't know it was a ready to action and kind of rethought what he was doing i think enoch or in this case it was it uh uh Rakax thought that he had the opportunity to get a hit on him before he he went for the strike. Yeah, I guess maybe it was that though. I kind of would, I would beg to understand what else, you know, like how, what, what else is he going to do when he runs over there? And then on his turn, he, you know what I mean? Does that not telegraph ready to action? Yeah. I mean, it also might be one of those kind of like, also kind of one of, one of those like, Moments where the player will try something to see if it works and expect the GM to push back if it wouldn't type of deal. Not that I would ever ac accuse Enoch of being cheesy, but I, I am, and I would. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's kind of like a fair enough moment, I suppose. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I, th you know, I, I don't think it went particularly... Like, I, I thought it went well other than that particular moment, and I think the appropriate punishment which was you know the clear thread to the next piece of that of that storyline 
kind of was like eliminated. It's like, oh, you, you, you killed the only person with information, and absolutely nobody else has that information. So yeah, that's that's also a little bit true. To be honest, I expected you to be a little bit more. Uh, uh, that that enc- that encounter was built for like a couple of different ways, and I had expected, you know, maybe they'll just bust down the door and start attacking everybody in sight. Um, you know, like maybe that would be a thing, but I didn't, I, that wasn't the most probable outcome, uh, in my head. So when that was how you guys handled it, I was kind of like, well, fair enough. Well, what were um, you expecting? I'm curious. I was, I was expecting, you know, like maybe you would try and talk your way in kind of thing. Um, or you would try and, uh, s- like, like sneak, uh, like a section by section, try and take people out in like a quieter, uh, fashion. Um, but you know. Yeah, so I, I think part of what happened there was that there's, you know, at least um, from my perspective, I felt like there was this kind of very real itch to to actually, you know, like sling some swords around. Yeah, I 100%. Um, I, that's exactly what I feel uh, was the case as well. And and I think part of it, too, is like I, I had some silly plan to, to, to maybe try and, like, disguise myself as somebody. And then you had Gondar shoot that down pretty hard. So at least I thought that was you as the GM is suggesting to us that busting down the door was, was the right way to go with it. Uh, I've done my very best actually not to suggest, um, <laughs> not to suggest these things, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, is, I, I, think, yeah. I think this is, uh, this is what I think this is actually, this is, this might even be a potential for another episode. Let me write it down. But this kind of thing where like things that the NPCs do can kind of act as, the GM's voice in a way to kind of be like, you know, guys, I'd really appreciate it if you did things this way. It's like, well, if, if I didn't have any particular desire to do anything in a different way, then, you know, why not? If that makes sense. Farewell. Yeah, yeah that's 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 fair enough. Uh, farewell. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was uh, trying to say fair enough, but I said farewell instead. I don't know. <laughs> Goodbye, buddy. The rest of the podcast. Yeah, bye. Yeah, good, good, good podcast, everybody. Yeah, I mean, if you ever see, if you ever see me, um, if you ever see all of the NPCs gang up and say this is this is the I- this idea is the idea and everybody's kind of universally for it, that is probably a lot of the that's probably me as the GM kind of saying hint hint nudge nudge here we go this way. Um, but for the most part, you know, like I want the NPCs to have different personalities. I want them to sure. have different perspectives, right? Obviously, Taylor is you know Taylor is the ultimate pragmatist right you know like and as far as she is concerned anything that isn't like a utilitarian benefit to the organization is a waste of time um whereas people like uh lyra and mateo are more concerned with you know you know yeah obviously that makes sense but doing the right thing is doing the right thing and you can't ask me to sit here and just let um these kidnapped people uh you know stay kidnapped and then get whatever happens to them and for for like the witch cult kind of thing yeah and uh, i think that's speaking a little bit more to the the after action but i think part of part of this too is to your credit you've built a very nice stable of of npcs with varying personalities and i think that in most games you get like one or two of them and so you don't really get you don't get the opportunity to to see multiple characters having opposing viewpoints. So the one viewpoint kind of becomes the GM suggestion. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a thing. And I also think that this is just because of this is the kind of game that I want out of Hell's Rebels, right? A lot of it is, you know, like 
there are not super overt, but there are real consequences to taking certain actions before other actions, right? And so making those kinds of choices is, you know, it's a little bit of a mechanics thing, but it's mostly of a, uh, like a narrative thing, right? Um, and that, and so like, you know, having half of the NPCs say, well, I think it's a good idea to go get these people because we should be good people and that's important. And the other half of the NPCs saying that's a waste of time, you know, we should be more, uh, we should be more focused on our stated goal of recruiting people. Um, that creates a good dynamic for players to kind of define themselves one way or the other, right? Right. Um, and I think there are going to be plenty of time. You know, there are probably going to be plenty of times where that works out in in not. Uh, my goal is for like the players to actually fight this stuff out a little bit. Um, you know, like have one person want to go one way and and, so, and somebody else go the other, and actually have that and have that be like a real like a real thing because I think obviously you guys have different personalities and that's you know. No. You know. These things, D D D having D and D, they happen. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, and then we played Rune Lords, where I don't remember what we did. We just stormed the castle, I guess. Yeah, we we did some more fighting. Um, we fought some more things. We killed all of the the ogres, and then we half killed the the witch or the lamia. Oh, yeah, what the fuck? She teleported was that? away. Oh, I hate that stuff. Yep. Whatever. Well, yeah. It is what it is, what it is. Although I do think I particularly enjoyed the moment when, when uh, you know, the tempting of Rufus was happening, and he walked over. I don't think any of us were sure what was going to happen, and then Rufus just stabbed her in the neck. <laughs> I don't know if that's good characterization or the fact that Nick has been playing this chaotic evil character. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, no, ab- absolutely, like... <laughs> Because like, was... I found myself in the same place. I was like, I have no logical reason for why Rufus should turn that down. Yeah, no, I, I think that, like, I think that the motivations there are are maybe a little bit shaky. I think I, I think if pressed for one, it'd be something along the line. You could come up with something along the lines of Rufus doesn't want to be a pawn to anybody or or whatnot. But the fact that that, that tension was really was there was, uh, was, was, was good. It's like, uh, do, you, do you read, um... Order of the Stick. Yeah, dude. Oh, man, I love Order of the Stick. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, why does, I think it's Belkar, the halfling thief, why does he ever do anything along the lines of the party, even though he's very clearly, like, I think he's actually a very, very clear analog to Rufus in this situation. And it's kind of like, well, these, he he might he might be an asshole, but, you know, like, the, the people he's with are his asshole friends, and, and the he can be evil, but even... Being evil does not necessarily mean, mean being disloyal type That's of deal. That's true. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, Order of the Sick has been going on for a long time. It's a lot. There's kind of like a lot to unpack in that, I yes. suppose. Yes, uh, there, there is. There is. Um, but, uh, man, dude, I love Order of the Stick. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> well, well uh, that cover, covers tabletop stuff. Um, you anything interesting in video games this week? Yeah, I've been spamming League, spamming Minecraft. Mm. Have I talked about Minecraft? I've been playing Minecraft, listeners. I don't know if you if I've told you yet, but mm. uh, I've been playing lots of it because 
this is it's wow wow has kind of run its course to a certain extent i've like farmed up all of the stuff that i want to like feasibly farm up and then my shit stopped selling on the auction house so i just kind of was like all right well and then i bought a minecraft server or realm or whatever it's called and so i've been uh ensconced deep in the minecraft well of you know mining up bullshit and uh and then watching daredevil and house of cards and stuff mm. i just refinished rewatching daredevil season one i liked it a little bit better than that first time but i really fucking hate foggy and karen yeah oh god yeah foggy that I whole can't... show oh <laughs> tanked uh. by that one guy like I, I, I didn't think he tanked the show. I, I I thought Foggy was kind of lovable in a dumb way, but I couldn't tell if his acting was wouldn't because he was supposed to be or if he was just really that bad. But you know, that's 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 I think I think we could I think we do a whole episode on yeah, Daredevil. Well, we I keep talking one. about doing like uh, they did just come out with season two. It would be kind of sort of topical. Yeah, um, but I, I I have to watch it. I I still haven't. So uh, maybe coming soon. No promises, listeners. <laughs> uh, the only thing I wanted to bring up is that I'm, I am i haven't been playing because it's not out yet, but I've been super pumping myself up on Stellaris, which is the Paradox Entertainment space game. Um, and they, they just had a release date. It's May 9th, so it comes out before Total Warhammer now. Oh, fuck. No, man. Fuck. Wow. Okay. And they've been releasing gameplay videos. And like stuff, and I'm just like, oh boy, 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 because it's like cool things like, um, like apparently part of like you're supposed to almost design your race every time you play, and all the races like one of the big first decisions you make before the game even starts is what's your initial faster than light travel capacity? You can either do like mash driver, which is slower but can go anywhere, or hyperspace, which you have to travel along, uh. A certain defined lanes or you can do wormhole where you have to build um essentially like mass effect gates um and they can some they can either pull you or push you out to certain points but you can't do fast and light travel other than that so i think that's all super cool and i'm i'm super uh i'm pumped for all that uh i have not i've kind of purposefully avoided uh looking too far into it i could because i actually have kind of a tough relationship with certain i've realized that like some of my uh strategy games uh like i get really hardcore into like europa universalis uh civ 5 obviously uh but then other ones i just kind of it never quite clicks for me uh endless legend and endless space being the two that immediately jump to kind of the four and so i'm like i obviously i like paradox a lot i really want to get into it but I fear that it's going to be another Crusader Kings for me uh, rather than another Europa Universalis. Oh, you didn't like Crusader Kings? I just never got into it. I mean, okay. how much much time do I, I have? I have 11 hours played on Crusader Kings 2, but uh, oh, yeah. that pales in comparison to my 160 hours on Europa. Yeah, I was going to say... If you're unfamiliar with the game series, that might sound like a lot of time, but it's, it's <laughs> not. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely feel that um, as someone who appreciated both Crusade, the only game I think of Paradox that I haven't been able to get into was uh, Hearts of Iron 3. Um, 
and I, I, I haven't watched any of the Hearts of Iron Four stuff, which comes out in June. Um, Jesus, they're 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 providing a ton of stuff. I am um, told that I am told that Hearts of Iron Four is going to uh, uh, is going to be better. I watched uh, I watched a Quill eighteen video about it where he. he I guess he went to go play the alpha or whatever, but he was basically like, yeah, this is way less spreadsheets and way more, you know, what you want from it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, Quill 18 is actually how I saw Stellaris. He he played, um, he both did a sit down with one of the, the devs and he did a play with um, two other YouTuber types, like Briar Stone and like Kiss for Luck, I think. Kiss for Luck being somebody he's done EU4 playthroughs with. But it was, it. I'm I am very interested in all of that because uh i don't know it just looks cool it looks i, I like space and uh i don't know i've been i've been hyped for it so uh well i guess i guess uh it's about a month until that so I, or two months or a, mo- a month and two weeks let's call it split the difference okay yeah so but that's that's all i'm hyped for otherwise i've been playing some dark souls because dark souls 3 comes out soon um and I have tried to get into that game, I want to say six times. Like, this is my sixth attempt. And every other time, <laughs> I've just gotten, like, maybe... Like, the first time, I never got through the opening. The second time, I got through the... The second and third and, like, fourth times, I got through the opening. And then I just kind of fell off. And then the fifth time, I got to the first area. And then, like, I died, like, twice. And I was just like, I can't deal with this. Um, and then in between that time and this time, I played Bloodborne for a fair amount. Um, I kind of got, like, I, I, it kind of clicked with me as to, like, how, how like, the, the iteration path is supposed to work for those games. Um, and so I'm, I'm much, I'm much, I'm enjoying it much more now. I've, I've gotten significantly deeper into it. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot more fun with that. I, uh... And we talked a bit a, a bit about this in our difficulty episode, and I think Demon Souls, Dark Souls is kind of an okay uh, example of a, of what I was getting at when I said that um, difficulty is only an aesthetics thing when it comes to like narrative games like that. And I think the difficulty in the Dark Souls games is reflective of that, you know, super grim dark narrative. Uh, you know, like the, these things, these things are very well entwined and one reinforces the other. And that's, you know, that's a good thing, but it's also just kind of like, you know, I, 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 I kind of couldn't be fucked, you know, like I don't get a lot of pleasure out of the, you know, like, oh, I beat this game at the hardest fucking difficulty. And, you know, like that stuff just doesn't, it, that doesn't appeal to me all that much. Um, and I don't get a lot of pride or whatever else uh from it so i don't know dark souls uh demon souls have kind of always been off my off my list off my radar for that reason yeah i think i think what a lot of people i i think i think this is going back to you know finally kind of clicked for me is i think people assume that because you die a lot, that means the game is... So I, the game isn't actually that hard. I think people just aren't used to the type of loop that Dark Souls, the Souls games and, and Bloodborne um, kind of set up for you, which is if you screw up, you'll die, and you'll... It appears, you know, when you lose your souls or your blood, if it's Bloodborne, that you're losing a pro- lot of progress, but you're really not. Um, it's just that's the way... That's, like, 
the way you're supposed to play the game in the same type of kind of way that, like, uh, you know, when you're playing Super Meat Boy, you might fail a hundred times before you get it. Um, and yeah, it, it's difficult, but like, it, it's difficult, but the loop is, it, like, the, the core gameplay loop is supposed to include that kind of experimentation and mastery development, um, which I think uh, passes by a lot of people, especially when they're coming into Dark Souls after having played, say, something like Diablo or, uh, uh, or uh, maybe that's, that's the only thing I can think of right now, but something like that where, like, right, yeah, where I, I see what you're saying. Less. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I've also people only ever talk about it in the context of that of that difficulty thing. So no one's ever made an appeal to me that oh, Dark Souls is actually has really great RPG mechanics, or oh, Dark Souls actually has like a really interesting and you know cool story. You know, that's the only thing people have ever talked to me about it. So it's just kind of always been filed away in I could give a fuck land. Like, yeah. Also, the the story in that game is 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 very much kind of like. You have to read it. You you can. There's a lot. Some direct stuff, but it's a lot of reading it off of items and in descriptions, and it's all kind of like very loose. And take and you know, people spend a while like crafting large theories about what's actually happening and how everything fits together. But it's a, it's it's uh, it's interesting in that way. But it, I I feel like it may, might not scratch your particular itches um, when it comes to storytelling. Probably not. I also think that. Uh... I don't know. I, I, I also kind of feel like somewhere along the line, I used to really be all about that shit, you know, like the, oh, let's, you know, like, re- like all listen to all the audio logs and read all of the little bullshit in Bioshock or in Dishonored or whatever. Or in Mass but Effect 2? Yeah, or in Mass Effect. But even Mass Effect doesn't really have all that much. You well, know do, have I mean? you it read the codexes? The, it has, oh, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that's true, the codexes. Like, um, none of it's... So, I, I think this is actually kind of the difference, right? Like, Mass Effect 2, you've got a central story that you don't need to read the codexes to really understand or get. Um, and I feel like a lot of the depth in Dark Souls is in that kind of, like, codex-level extra information, which is something in Mass Effect you can dig into if you want to, but is in no way necessary for for proper enjoyment of that story, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I was all about... I was I was really hyper about the codex when I first played it, but that was, you know five years ago so but like you know little things like the reason thresher you know i i like it because it explains a lot of stuff like the reason thresher maws are uh on so many different worlds is because they actually are uh, they reproduce with these special spores that can survive in space uh, and so they've just been around for billions and billions of years, and these spores just hit an atmosphere, and they gr- and they just like grow naturally, kind of thing. And I think you know, so that kind of, nobody ever explains that, right? But it is in the codex if you uh, right. you know, like if you want to go into it. Uh, the same stuff with kind of like the first contact war, um, or you know just kind of like whatever else like if you want an explanation it's there it's in the codex dragon age is also a lot like this by the way dragon age also has like a oh do you ever wonder why you know like the elves are fucking uh slaves well dragon age is gonna answer that question for you in like a gigantic codex entry so but yeah, that's a little bit different than to me. That's a little bit different than uh, than you know Bioshock, which is you know it's telling a 
parallel narrative, right? Like it's telling the story of, you know, in the audio logs of uh, in, in Bioshock Infinite, there's this one guy who's a big game hunter and he's brought on as like kind of uh, almost uh, an assassin by Comstock. But he ends up working for the revolution and you get his story in six or seven audio logs like that. that that's the that's the phenomenon that that I, I mean. Mm. OK, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, um, but yeah, that's but not the topic of this today's episode. That is not the topic of today's episode. <laughs> today's episode is about the Megas. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, we're just gonna kind of go down the list of features, right? Like we've done, we've done with other classes. Um, so the reason we decided to do the Megas, um, we're gonna do uh, at various century times different classes. The reason we start with the Megas, because um, at least to my mind, um, the the fantasy of playing a battle mage is a very common one, a very solid kind of, like, idea for something to do. Um, I think Magus was one of, uh, was one of Paizo's first steps into kind of, like, really kind of fulfilling those kinds of fantasies. And I think it's, um, I think it, I think it does the job very well. Um, and it's Ooh, also... See, I think it is, I think it does the job very well, but I also think it has some missteps. Um, it, it doesn't ring, I think there are a couple of Paizo classes, um, that ring really true alchemist right like the alchemist is basically perfectly designed as oh, far as i'm I concerned don't. to like Oof. fit that to fit that fantasy whereas i feel like magus uh you know it's close see i i i, I feel you don't like the alchemist so i don't so i think the alchemist falls into the the trap of um we have like there are like three things you could imagine when we talk about a fantasy alchemist and we've done all of them with this class. And if you really want to focus on one of them, you need to take an archetype. Like, I don't I don't think um, mutagens and bombs go well together. Like, I don't see them working. Like, uh, this is almost like a druid problem where, like, you want to do all of the things. And as a result, you do a lot of them not so great. I, I like the alchemist, but I think that, like, the, like, you know, half spellcaster, half, like, range thing and half Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde doesn't quite add up to to what it wants to be so you so well okay so i also think that i don't think that mutagen or uh or bombs are underserved mechanics though i kind of feel like i kind of get what you're saying about the druid but i feel like that's because the druid is uh uh i feel like the mechanics aren't The, the, like, the mechanics aren't, like, super well-supported, but I think individually Mutagen is a good mechanic, and I think individually Bombs are really good mechanics, and I think they mesh well because your Alchemist talents, um, or whatever they're called, uh, are, you know, your, your, your level, the thing that you use to kind of specialize yourself. You don't need to take an archetype to make that stuff work. You don't have to, you don't have to take it to make it work, but, uh, so something I really dislike is, uh, is, is kind of, like, any class feature that you don't use because that's not, like, your particular build of it. Like, I feel like, I, naturally, you want to take an archetype that replaces the class feature you don't use with something else. Um, Jeez, oh, God. I mean, I'm, I, I, maybe I'm a little bit rusty on Alchemist, but I always feel like... I, you know what? I might okay, be, too. So, you know. Let's, you know what? Let's table this. And yes, yeah. fair enough. Very soon you because can I count on the, an really, alchemist really episode. Is, I don't think I the, the I I don't remember what it is, but I do think that mutagen is just 
always applicable and bombs are just kind of always applicable uh and they're pretty good in every build i don't you know anyway but that's that's, yeah, that's the, what i'm thinking we'll have to we'll have to i'll uh, have to coming up. soon alchemist yeah. episode <laughs> yeah coming soon tm tm yeah i wrote it down in in the ideas document so we won't okay good okay so magus though battle mage yes battle mage um to finish the thought off Part of the reason why we're doing the Magus is it's old, so there's a bunch of content for it, but it's not, like, fighter-level number of, like, archetypes and, and content built for it. Uh, so hopefully we can get through it in, in the remaining hour or so that we have. Uh, but, yeah, um, did you did you want to say anything o- over uh, overarching before we got into the... Uh... I think... You might you might get mad at me about this, but I am see. I think that it fulfills that like battle mage archetype, but it it doesn't carve out its own niche for it. It's a little too kind of generalist and bland to a certain extent. Um, Whereas you know, like sorcerer, right? Ninth level, you know, spontaneous prepared spell ca- or spontaneous spellcaster, right? Uh, but it also has these bloodlines, and these bloodlines are really, you know, like they really flavor the class uh, in in like an interesting way. In the same way, even wizards, right? When you choose your spell school thing or whatever, uh, that's like that's kind of this method to flavor the class. But Magus, because Battle Mage is such kind of a wide open playing field in terms of stuff that 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 it's applicable to suffers because i think it has a lot of a lot of mechanics that are well served but bland right uh see i i think that the flavor you're talking about comes a lot from like the magus arcana um but i i see your point i i I don't yeah i don't know maybe i'm Ah, uh, yeah. Because Magus is, is a class that I would I feel like I would definitely take an archetype more or less no matter what in. Because it doesn't kind of have enough intrinsic flavor on its own. I feel like I would need to find something else to, like, latch on to flavor. To, to, to flavor it for me. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little bit unfair. Yeah, well, let, let's go down the, uh, the, the list and see. Okay. Um... I and mean, we can we can well, hash, hash it I out in, in the in the weeds. Uh, if we start with weapon and armor proficiency, um, I don't really have anything to say about that. Uh yeah, I think it's you know it's obviously important that Maguses can use light armor uh, with their uh, obviously light armor has a spell failure chance, and you just kind of have to deal with that. Um, when you're playing a wizard or or a sorcerer or whatever, and it's it's a good use of the Magus's time uh, to be uh, to not have that that problem, right? They they're gonna have to wear armor. That's just kind of a part of it, right? And uh, as you as you level up, you can gain access to uh, or the the standard class that gives you medium and heavy armor um, as proficiency and without a uh, and without spell failure chance. Um, but I also think that that kind of, um, I think that, that in, in kind of service to your earlier argument also kind of prevents, you know, like you can't wear your father's armor without significant, like, uh, without, without significant risk to yourself, um, or significant wasting of, of essentially that feature, 
um, to go back to my earlier point, it's like either you have to you have to change your armor, whatever you get the whenever you get the next level to fully utilize that class feature, or it's just kind of wasted, or you have to deal with taking penalties to like spell failure chance until you hit that point, which I also think is not not great. But I think a lot of as you said, the archetypes are, are pretty good, and a lot of the archetypes uh, uh, kind of deal with those kind of problems. Yeah, I think the archetypes do kind of deal with those problems. I don't know. I feel like this is a very baseline. Uh, the, I, I'm going to use this line a lot, but I, th- it it is something that I feel like the Magus needs, right, in order to get in this in this space. But it doesn't. Um, I don't know. It doesn't flavor. It doesn't add flavor to the class in a way that I would would yeah. say like you know. It's it's very it's very mechanical, not very flavorful, right? Yeah, I mean. Um, I, I'd say to that point, I, I do think I, I like kind of more blank slate classes because then you can kind of put your own flavor on it without having the kind of baggage that some t- that this, the classes come with, like say a paladin. Would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, but I think that bra- you know the brawler is still a pretty blank slate class, but martial flexibility really flavors it. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and and the focus on these combat maneuvers, uh, or similarly something like you know gunslinger. Uh, there's there's a couple, there's plenty of different ways that you can think about or play a gunslinger, but the deeds and everything like that they really like flavor the class. Uh, uh, see, I, really I in one direction. For me, that's that that's really well accomplished with spell strike and spell combat. Spell combat, but we aren't quite there yet. So I'll bring yeah, that up. Enough. When we get there, so going. Do you, next... do you have anything about their spell list? This is the next, the next thing. The Megas spell list. Um, I actually, I have never looked super closely at it, but I, I've never, it's never seemed like. I've never looked at the spell list and or like looked for a spell on Omegas and been like, man, I really wish he had this spell. Um, and he's also got access to Arcana that give him, uh, it's called like expanded arc or something. Yeah, he's he's got a way to, to broad study. Um, oh no, not broad study. That's, that's something else, but you you can get access to the greater wizard, uh, sorcerer spell list, uh, uh, spell blending, spell blending. Um, uh, that, and, and I feel like, I feel like it, it works well. Like most of the spells on that list are, are combat spells as it would be for befitting a battle yep. mage instead of like the, the, the more wizardy type of like out of combat stuff, but I, I, I think it's relatively well put together. I don't think it has the same problems as say the, um, the unchained summoner, um, or not the unchained summoner, the chained summoner, I guess, which had a lot of fuckery with its spell left list in order to give, give its access to some higher level spells with only six levels of spell of spell playing. I don't think that's true for the Magus. Yeah. There are a bunch of, uh, there are a couple of spells on here that I, I was surprised. I am not a good, uh, uh, like like I'm not a mage person. I play martial classes generally, so I have a I have a lot of command over martial feats, for instance. But I don't have a lot of command over spells and spell lists. Uh, but I was surprised at how many things felt like they were you know like the, you know these were things that were made for uh, a magus, right? Um, these were spells that were just like, you know, this is, this is a spell for me. It's like blade lash or, you know, force sword, uh, are, are like, 
some of the, the some some weapons appear only on the mega spell list, but like most of them are like in weird spots. Like, oh, this is on the witch spell list too, or whatever. But I don't know. I think that is. I think that's super cool, and I do think that that's pretty interesting. Um, and th- one of the ways that I feel like the the class gains a lot of flavor is based on some of these more interesting. Uh, spells like river whip where you create a whip out of water and just whip whip people with it like that's awesome that's cool yeah uh, no absolutely um and, and i think part of this is that um if you look at some of the earlier stuff even like you know some wizard spells that seem that they were really made for the magus i think this is like an artifact of kind of well up until they made the magus there wasn't like a battle mage was the wizard that you figured out how to like make him survive in combat Right, right, um, yeah. And so that th- those things kind of target those issues, I guess, but um but yeah, um I I think it's I think it's a good spell list. Um but I don't really have much more to say about that. Um do you? Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> the next thing on the uh, on the list is the arcane pool. Um at first level, the Magus gains a reservoir of mystical arcane energy that he can draw Upon to fuel his powers and enhance his weapon, this arcane pool has a number of points equal to half his Magus level, minimum one, plus his intelligence modifier. The pool refreshes once per day when the Magus prepares a spell. Um, at first level, the first the, the Magus can expand one, expend one point from his arcane pool as swift action. Grant any weapon he is holding a plus one enhancement bonus for one minute. For every four levels beyond the first, he gets another plus one enhancement bonus, maximum of plus five at seventeenth level. These bonuses can be added to the weapon stacking with existing enhancement to a maximum of five. Multiple uses of this ability do not stack with themselves. At fifth level, these bonuses can be used to add any of the following weapon product properties: dancing, flaming, flaming burst, frost, icy burst, keen shock, shocking burst, speed, or vorpal. And um, uh, and you can you, you add them the same way you add you add the other enhancements. So Vorpal adds, you know, with five, you can use five points from your arcane pool to get Vorpal, for instance. Yeah. Yes. Um, I like this ability a lot, though. Honestly, I really feel as though it is just a. Uh, it's kind of like I, I, I think this ability is a little bit of a holdover from the fact that uh, the Megas is not a full BAP class. Is the reason that it gets yeah. this, this whole ability. Which almost kind of like, and that's like a really weird way to frame it, but it does kind of tank it a little bit in my mind. You know, maybe if this was a full BAB class and it had an ability like this, maybe a little bit less powerful, I would think it would be a little bit cooler, more interesting. Um, But I do really like, something I really enjoy about it is the ability to give your uh, weapon properties, these different properties. Uh, You can also take Arcana to unlock other weapon properties. Um... I think you can t- like you can use it. You can use Arcana to get Bane, for instance, so that you can use Bane with your Arcane Pool. Um, and I think that stuff is really cool when it comes to uh, play playing and and being the Magus. Yeah, I also think that, um, like to, to your point about like oh, this ability is cool, but it was built to kind of give the not full BAB something. It's also there as kind of like the minimum things that monks can do with their key pool, where like. You can take Arcana and spend Arcane Pool points on doing stuff with your Arcana, which range from, like, you know, like a, a mild blast to, like, uh, I don't know, probably, like, assisted jumps or something like that. Um, let me see if I scroll through if I see anything that really hits me. Um, but, like, uh, you can use your Arcane Pool to make your melee attacks as touch attacks. 
It's called Accurate Strike or all, any any of or uh, Arcane Deed, um, and you can you can get Swashbuckler Deeds and spend our Arcane points to use Swashbuckler Deeds instead of Panache. Um, and I think that this ability was also kind of thrown in there as like a well when they get it, what can they do with their points beside until they get like enough Arcana to make it kind of robust. Um, and whatnot. Like, like I said, it's, it's similar happens, I, f- I feel, with, like, the monkey pool. Yeah, I think that that's an important aspect of it, uh, too. Especially in terms of, like, finding finding your flavor when you come in and you find, uh, you know, I don't know, some, some arcana that allows you to, um, enduring blade, which increases the duration of your stuff so that you can keep it on for forever. Or, uh, you know, hasted assault, which allows you to cast haste on yourself using your arcane pool. Uh, these are things that allow you to, uh, uh, find other ways to use your arcane pool besides just those ones that are, uh, that are listed, which I think is important. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, uh, I also think that it's something that Maguses forget to use. Uh, it's kind of one of those abilities that, you know, spell combat, spell strike, these ones are like the big, big grade A, uh, uh, abilities, but this is kind of like a little bit more middle of the road, a little bit more middle tier in terms of kind of priority and how much people are thinking about that when they're thinking about their Magus. Yeah. Um, I, I think because of like the reason I outlined that, like, you know, oh, that's, that's, that's how I buff my, uh. Or that's that's how I cast like a little lightning bolt cantrip or something, or you know, lightning bolt blast. That's not like you know you don't think about it for its base use. You think about it for its its arcana use. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. Um, although I do know that, like, say Mark, who, who uh, I've played with, well, he played a a black blade. Um, uh, he he actually used the, this ability all the time um, to be very uh, to be very effective with it. Um, and really, like, throw the damage out and really, like, stomp face. Um, but, you know, that's that, that's what you get when you play with Captain Crunches. Yeah, that's what uh, you get. Yep, yep. That is a, that is how Captain Crunch plays his games. Uh, but here we come to the meat of it, right? Spell yes. combat. And spell strike. I, I kind of want to handle these both at once because I think the way they work in tandem works. But if you wanted to, to go yeah, for definitely. it. Yeah, uh, definitely. So spell combat functions uh, like two-weapon fighting. Uh, but instead of having an offhand weapon, the offhand weapon is the spell that you're casting, right? Um, so in order to use it, you have to have you know the one hand free while wielding a lighter one-handed melee weapon. Uh, and then as a full round action, you can make all of your attacks with your melee weapon at a minus two penalty. And then on top of that, you can uh, cast a mega spell from the list with a casting time of one standard action. Um... I suppose, or less. It doesn't actually say that. Uh, um, you cast a spell defensively, and you also gain more as you level up. Uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we might get down there later, but it doesn't just stay at one spell. It does eventually get to, uh, you know, when you do your quote-unquote full attack, you get two spells, or uh, I think it goes up to three spells. And then, and then I guess the spell strike. Uh, spell strike allows you to cast a spell with the range of touch from the mega spell list through the weapon that you're wielding. A lot of the times you see people use this with rapiers, where I have a rapier, I have shocking grasp, I use shocking grasp uh, uh, with spell strike to deliver it as part of my rapier attack. I think this is the corest of the core 
Magus abilities. Uh, of all of the abilities that Magus ha- has, Spell Strike is the one that has like the most interesting uh, aspect to it, the most uh, the most flavor to it, and I think it's what people are signing up to, to the class to 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 buy. You know what I mean? Like that's what that's what they're buying um, from the from from the the Magus in general. Uh, it also makes spells crit more effectively because. Um, the it uses the weapons crit range rather than uh, the spell you know just natural crit range of twenty. Yeah, and I think I think both. Well, first, just to point out, um, spell combat you don't get to cast more spells; it just improves concentration checks. Oh, it does. Doesn't oh, the one. Um, but I, I think that would actually be really broken if you really think about it. That's a lot of a lot of spells to be casting in one round. Um, Oh, I totally yeah. Well, I guess I. I anyway, I was misremembering. Anyway, yes, anyway, I was misremembering. But back to just uh, just back to the to, to the point at hand. Um, spell combat and spell strike, I think taken together, are they might be some of my favorite mechanics in the game. Just like it, this, this feels powerful. It feels awesome. Um, if you know, it feels really like you're you know you're a battle mage with a sword in one hand and a spell in the other. Uh, and I, I think that these these work together just so well, so well for that. And it, it, it uh, I, I think I, like you said, it's, you know, spell strike is what you sign up for. Spell, uh, I think spell combat really complements that well and like lets you kind of feel like like the the fury of battle. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think it's I think it's awesome. I think I think it really makes this class come into its own. I think I definitely think that's true too. Um, I've never played a Megas. I do kind of want to eventually, uh, but unfortunately, I kind of almost feel as though in the past couple of games that I've played in or played with or heard about being played, you know what I mean? Megas is probably the most common class because you played a Megas, Mark played a Megas, Lou played a Megas, Barry played a Megas. Uh, you know, so in the past, you know, just in my, like in my Rune Lords game, we had two Meguses until one of them switched to. Uh, to war priest, yeah. So I mean, like that's that's a giant ratio uh, compared. to... I guess barbarians also have a pretty good track record in our in our group because uh, Enoch and you played barbarians. Yeah, and then I, and then I played a blood rager, which is like a magus and a barbarian. I love the blood rager. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I, 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 I think. Well, anyway. Um, Anyway, I, I so I kind of almost don't want to play the Magus because I want to be a little bit of a hipster, you know? I've seen a lot of Maguses, but I haven't really seen too many, you know, sorcerers or wizards or, uh, you know, I think otherwise I, I, ninth-level I, spellcasters. I think to your point about, like, you'd want to take an archetype, I think the archetypes are diverse enough that you can kind of get that unique experience. That's true. I definitely we'll get to we'll get to this when we get in in depth on the archetypes. Uh, but there are definitely some that I I watch people gravitate towards, kind of like mysterious stranger, whatever it's called for uh, for gunslinger. It just kind of seems to be the archetype that everybody takes on that class. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think I think part of that is with, specifically with mysterious stranger and, and gunslinger is that um, the kind of being like the charismatic gunslinger. I think is is a is is a core fantasy than being the wise gunslinger, um, which is why everybody ends up taking Mysterious Stranger. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I had my favorite was uh, I, I don't even I don't know if it's Paizo or if it was third party, but there was a period of time where I was going to join into the original version of Mark's Rude Lords game before it was 
rebooted, I guess. Um, and I was going to join as a gunslinger who was a movement-based pistolero gunslinger uh, who took advantage of Mark's rules when it came to scattershot weapons like blunderbusses oh, or yeah. dragon pistols um, and the spring attack feet so that I could move, you know, 40 feet in a round, not provoke uh, a, uh, attacks of opportunity um, and melee and basically shoot these pistols in melee and then run away uh, before they get to, you know, before they get to uh, attack me, which was awesome. To be honest, I actually really like that build. I really like that. I really like that character. Yeah, um, unfortunately, that that relies on on Mark's rules, which which are interesting. But that means you can't just pull that out. I in a do random think game. I could play that in a random game. Uh, it's not as effective because you don't get the uh, basically the scatter shot thing. Was anytime you use a scatter shot weapon in melee, it auto crits. Um, I thought for... it just did like times three or something. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's what it, that's what I mean. Uh, just like in terms of damage. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so I, I was it times three. It was times two or times three. It was more, right? Um, but I think that you could make it with just you know regular, you know, having having pistols, having spring attack, uh, you know, running around, running around the map and shooting people from point blank range. Yeah, you uh, you, you probably mean shot on the run, but that's just me. Being... Oh, shot on yeah, it's totally shot on the run. That is one hundred percent true. It's shot on the run. It's also like wind stance or something. Uh, there's more to it. There's a couple other feats in there. Um, yeah. I think I think I needed to have dodge and mobility in order to get shot on the run. Uh, but anyway, this is all this is all about gunslingers, which is not about maguses. Um, the the magus builds that I see people uh, that I see people go uh, are uh, what keeps me off of you know you know what I mean. What keeps I would love to make a magus too. I just kind of feel like I've seen a lot of them and I want to see some other stuff get played, which is why I'm not super into. Uh, Rolling I've, one myself. I feel like you just watched Barry play Fortis like a bitch, and you were like, "I can't do that." Forever sully my reputation. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know, maybe that's the case. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what's the next mechanic down the line? Uh, Magus Arcana. Oof, Arcana. Yeah, I I like these mechanics a lot on classes. To be honest, the ones where you get, um, you know, rogue talents, rage powers, that kind of stuff. I think they're pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I I agree. And there is a whole buttload of them uh like like jesus like uh i don't think we have time to go through all of them but did you have any in particular that you wanted to uh there were a couple that i uh that i like but honestly a lot of them are just kind of um see this is also when you uh, I think a couple of them are very flavorful, right? Flamboyant Arcana, which allows you to get um, Opportune Parry and Repost, uh, which is, a, you know, a swashbuckler deed, or, um, I don't know, there's there's other ones that are just kind of, like, crazy and weird, and you're just like, where did this, where did this come from? Uh, there's one that allows you access to um, uh, a key pool so that you could roll, uh, you know, Magus Monk multiclassing more effectively, um, but a lot of these are just kind of, you know, one of them allows you to scribe scar-based tattoos on yourself that you can cast from as scrolls, which is awesome. You know, like, that's an awesome, that's a super flavorful ability, right? But a lot of these are just kind of still magic. Cast one spell per day with the still spells feet, right? Um, or, you know, uh, quickened magic, 
cast one spell per day with the quicken magic feat, right? Gain a familiar, uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know. There's nothing like, I really wish there was something along the lines of totems uh, from the uh, from the barbarian rage powers in here. I think that would be a really, okay, really yeah, awesome yeah, addition. Yeah. Otherwise. No, uh, absolutely. Um, I also think that um, the thing that I want is, it's just somewhere down in the third party stuff, they, they exist, but I want like, uh, either they're an arcana or an, ar- uh, an archetype, because I think this is something that's specifically missing, that lets you wield two-handed weapons and do that, because I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a fantasy that's very specifically underserved by this class. Um, I almost think, see, I you would have agreed with you, but now that the Blood Rager exists... I kind of feel like the Blood Rager is that. The blood, but the Blood Rager is different. That's like, like I, I think that there's still like room to be like, I don't know. I, I think there's still room for like a not a raging person that wants to use two handed. I mean, weapons. yeah, that, yeah that, that's fair enough. I just, uh, you know, the base, the I feel like there's an archetype for it, right? Like, yeah, the, yeah, you're probably right. You probably there probably is should it should be on, on archetype along these kinds of lines, but the baseline Magus, uh, as far as I see it, is a yeah you're probably more right. akin to the swashbuckler. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think I think part of what happened here is that I've I've seen it solved in third party Arcana, and so that was kind of my first. That's also the the other thing that. Um, uh, the other half of that is that I have not seen the third party Arcana, so I didn't even, you know. Yeah, I, I specifically know. looked at. I think somebody, maybe Mark, pointed it out to me, or maybe I was just looking at it, or you know, I was my Charles, my one of my players, asked me if there was a way to wield two handed uh, weapons as a Magus, and I found that answer. Like I, I searched for it. Oh, it's, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and you know, in searching for it, you come across third party content that lets you do it. Um, although I can't find it right now, but, uh, um, something I, I wanted to, to point out, um, uh, oh, I maybe have pointed out all the ones I wanted to point out on the Arcana that I thought were really good, um, or really, really cool. Um, I think that the, so the Disruptive Spellbreaker and Dispelling Strike, that kind of line, I think is pretty awesome. It's kind of like Anti-Mage Magus, I always think, I think that's pretty cool. Okay, um, yeah, I'm down for that. Um, and, uh, this dispelling strike in particular, um, cause you could use your arcane pool to cast a dispel magic when you hit. And I think that's, that is, that is just a really cool, solid thing for me that I, that I think makes a lot of sense and makes me, and you know, I really like personally. Uh, personally, I really like, uh, critical, the critical strike one. Uh, so like when you score a critical hit, you can use a swift action to, uh, make a touch attack spell at the, to cast a touch attack spell. Um, first of all, that's powerful. Second of all, it's just kind of awesome in ge- you know what I mean? Like yeah, in no, general, absolutely. um, to, to crit with something and then just follow up with, you know, shocking rasp or whatever other vampiric touch. Oh, uh, na- oh man. I didn't. Oh boy. Uh, hold on one second. No, I'm just, I'm just getting flashes of like a very cheesy build to make. Um, I wonder if fencing great or fencing or flamboyant arcana counts as having panache for the purposes of the fencing grace feat, and if I can cheese the mega super hard with this, I I doubt it. But 
Fair enough. I mean, it's cl- like you. <laughs> you still get the most out of that. It's like, oh, because uh, you pointed that the critical straight out. Like, oh, I could use that with the rapier. Oh, I can get dex to damage with rapiers now. Oh man, that would be like the greatest. Like that would be like either the best or the worst thing. Um, cheesy, you know, in terms of cheesy, cheesy builds. But you know, that that's a little bit off topic, I guess. But I, um, uh, so for the next couple of. Uh, like, I kind of feel like looking down, there's really not all that much that's of super interest, but to take it piece by piece, um, spell recall at fourth level, Magus can use Arcane Pool to recover spells that they've already cast, um, which is effective, I guess, I don't know, uh, it seems good Yeah, it's, 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 I think, I actually think it's, it's, so the Megas doesn't have a super big spell pool, so the ability to um, cast to to recall those spells with your arcane pool if you don't have anything better to do, I think is actually pretty powerful. Um, and I think is is good if you want to play a more castery Megas rather than like a an arcane pool Megas, if that makes that's sense. That's fair. Okay, yeah, that's true. Um, and so I think I think it's fun or it's, it's good for that. Um, that way. Um. I think the bonus feats are kind of like they're like, well, we're combining a wizard and a fighter, and they both have <laughs> bonus feats, so might as well. But they can be any of meta magic item creation or combat feats. Um, yeah, I think honestly, oh, so many classes have bonus feats like this that it almost makes me wonder if uh, you know, like baseline feat progression needed needs to go up in some way or another, uh, but. That's kind of neither here nor there. The knowledge pool allows the mages to um, uh, cast spells that he doesn't... Wait, I know I want to make sure I'm saying this right because I just realized it could be one of two things. Okay, it's... Okay, so... Magus has learned spells kind of like a sorcerer's spells known, and this and so what he can do is when the Magus prepares his spells, he can expend from his arcane pool in order to uh, incorporate other spells from his spell list into his prepared spells for the day. Um, I don't think he prepares his spells which like is a wizard a, or like which a, is a misreading of my. No, it's that he has spells known like a wizard or uh, like a sorcerer. I don't or whatever. think he does oh wait god now i'm really confused yeah this just seems like a bad feature i don't think either of us have looked at this too closely but i think it's just like well so i i actually i misread it at first because what i thought it was and i this admittedly is better and i thought it was better was um a make it kind of like spell kenning on like the scald right the magus can can uh spontaneously swap out spells on his prepared list for spells on his spell list but that's not the case because it's when he prepares spells he can choose to treat a spell from a list that he doesn't have in his spell book as part of his spell book which is i guess that i guess like if you didn't have access to the spell for some reason like you couldn't find a scroll of it and write it down this would be because this this lets him pick any you know any spell arbitrarily on the mega spell list and use it um if for whatever reason he doesn't have it in his book, which costs some amount of money or whatever. Um, but it doesn't seem that powerful because that's usually not a problem. Yeah. Sometimes it bugs me a little bit because I think keeping spell, like honing spell lists 
uh, is is an is a tool in the GM's toolbox that I feel like you know this undermines a bit, but that's yeah. kind of like that's a really nitpicky thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I agree with you, but I think it also it, it's got an appropriate cost for it. Uh, that's fair. And it's also um, like you know it's not like he gets it permanently, obviously. Yeah. So there's not a big you know it's not a big yeah. Uh, yeah. fear that it's going to that he's going to like go crazy with this yeah and, and i would argue if that like if the spell is so bad in your opinion that you wanted to, to prevent him from having the spell instead of trying to like manufacture that through the availability of the spell you should just outright ban it if you're really that hard on the spell itself yeah that's also kind of fair um, at seventh level they gain access to medium armor without the spell arcane spell failure chance Fairly straightforward. Uh, this ends up progressing to heavy armor. Spoiler alert for anyone who couldn't see which way the wind was blowing. Um, which I actually do like this because I I do like the idea of, you know, nimbly light, nimble uh, uh, Magus progressing into full plate Magus. Uh, though I kind of think it'll basically stop at, uh, Adam, or not Adamantine, uh, uh, what's that breastplate one? Mithril breastplate, which is just kind of universally by raw, like the most effective piece of armor uh, for classes like this, because it does not restrict your movement speed. Uh, improved spell combat just gives a circumstance bonus on concentration checks. Uh, yeah, this is. I totally thought that this is where he we was able to uh, cast more spells as part of the full attack. That would have been so broken. I don't know why I thought that. Um, it's kind of the natural progression. Well, yeah, I don't know. Kind of like, it's kind of, of like of, if you uh, don't think too hard about how broken that would be. And he's like, oh, that makes sense. That's yeah, like, th- yeah, that is 100% what I... Yep, that is 100% what I thought. Um, you know, fighter training, half his total Megas level counts as fighter level for qualifying for those feats. You know, I guess. Um, improved spell recall. Just, he can... Re- he can um, expend... It's a more efficient... Uh, transaction. It's no longer one to one from the arcane pool to the spell list. It's now one to two uh, for one arcane pool, two spell levels. Um, heavy armor at thirteen. Greater spell combat. Concentration check uh, is harder to beat. Oh, this, so this is an ability I like a lot, to be honest. Uh, at 16th level, when an enemy within reach of the Magus successfully casts a spell defensively, that enemy provokes an attack of opportunity from the Magus after the spell is complete. Um, I kind of like, and this is something I kind of wish was in line, right? If this was in line in the Magus, and I, I, I think it would fulfill this kind of flavor requirement. I like the Magus also being flavored a little bit towards the anti-mage. Um, so for instance, if the, if the make has got that dispelling strike, uh, thing in line or something along those kinds of lines, or like they got disruptive, uh, as a bonus fee, just like little things like that. I think that would be a really neat kind of flavoring for, uh, for the class in general. Um, because I do think that anti-mages are, are, are a cool, uh, me- like a cool mechanical subtype to exist in. Sure. But I think that's a little too directed, right? Like... You, you can get all of those as as arcana and i think that that's that fulfills that kind of wish right i don't i don't see a need to 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 force that onto every like to force that into the mainland of the class when i i think it belongs 
very well in the Arcana if you don't want to be that kind of anti-mage. Yeah, but the thing is, I, what, the danger here that is in my head is that you look at the Arcana and then you take all of the bland Arcana and you haven't actually found any flavor in the class. You know what I mean? In that way, yeah, you're forcing flavor onto somebody. But this way, if you take all of the bland arcana, you still have this anti-mage stuff. I also don't think that it's all that – you know, the, the counter-strike is powerful and that, that's why you get it at level 15. But I don't think disruptive uh, – you know, the, the being like that kind of disruptive spellcaster uh, is really all – I don't think it would eat that much into the, into the power budget comparatively speaking. I see that, I guess. I, I A certain part of it kind of comes from it from that level. I do think the mages is probably overpowered in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it's a little bit of a like a Yasuo phenomenon in the sense of somebody who's a master of the magus who really uses puts, pushes the class to its limits uh, is going to be like really hardcore effective. Uh, and so there's something of like uh, – uh, uh, you know, it's it's correlated to the to the player's skill level, um, but I also think that uh, some of this comes from the flexibility of the class. Like, for instance, if you replace these bonus feats that they get with with like disruptive feats, and then budgeted out something equivalent ish to the bonus feats in in other places, I think that you could have have that same flavor, have a similar ish power level, uh, and because because like the flexibility is you have to you have to have more in the power budget when you're being flexible um, right compared to when you're being specific yeah I, I think I think part of the problem there is is that um, when you go to design archetypes you have to you have to then start pulling though you you have to target disruptive um, and and the and like dispelling strike first with your archetype replacements because that's the most defining feature right if that makes sense do you, do you see what yeah, i'm getting at i don't i don't think that's the end of the world uh and i think that there are plenty of archetypes that keep that uh in place without too much trouble and in, in the sense of i you know in the sense of the fighter the fighter i actually don't even really think the like the the baseline fighter is all that quote-unquote bland a class just because i do think that weapon training and armor training put you into a neat spot um in terms like nobody else gets armor training i've bitched about this on the cast i want other classes to have armor training um but the fact that it is a unique fighter thing does flavor the class one uh uh one way i guess for me and so yeah that, that's the thing armor training is pulled out on every other archetype but i don't know i i feel i i there's a lot of conflicting uh there's a lot of conflicting viewpoints that go into this kind of thing but i like counter-strike a lot uh, it's cool. Tags of opportunity are nice. I think Magus is skewed towards decks and combat reflexes anyway, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of in line with that stuff as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the level nineteen ability, uh, greater spell access, basically allows him to use um, the wizard spell list uh, to to add spells into his spell book oh yeah i remember this it's because spell access doesn't exist as as a feature right it's like it's called greater spell access but there's no spell access oh my god i think you're right yep it's called knowledge pool it should be called greater knowledge pool yeah 
maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's what it is. Knowledge pool is what allows you to cast off like things you don't know off of the mega spell list. No, it doesn't. We 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 just went, we just went over this. That's not what it does. Wait, what? Knowledge pool doesn't let you do that. Remember? Wait, what did I say? It does. It's it lets you prepare spells. I did I say cast? But it's not it's not off of the major spell list. It's just not in your spell book. Wait, hold on. No, knowledge pool. Sorry, sorry, folks at home. We gotta Holy go back shit. to this. Knowledge pool doesn't let you cast spells off of the not wizards or not major spell list. It just lets him cast spells he doesn't have in his spell book. But from the Magus spell list. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Oh, that's what I mean. I don't know if I, I may not have mentioned that. Yeah, my point is, my point is, knowledge pool allows you to cast spells on the Magus spell list that you don't otherwise have in your spell spell book. Greater knowledge pool, which is basically what this 19th level thing has, um, is now you can use stuff from wizards, though they go straight into the spell book, so it's not really a one-to-one. Yeah, this is uh, probably like an editing snafu. But hey. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. Uh, and then the level 20 ability, which no one has like, ever played ever because they're always, you know, level 20. Um, when the Magus uses spell combat uh, and his spell targets the same creature as his melee attacks, he can choose to either increase the DC to resist the spell by plus 2, grant himself a plus 2 bonus on a checks made to overcome spell resistance, or grant himself a plus 2 uh, circumstance bonus on all attack rolls made against that target. Uh, he also doesn't need to make concentration checks um, when he's casting spells defensively yeah. when using the spell combat ability. Pretty straightforward stuff. Very powerful. Pretty standard OP capstone ability that no one ever yeah. gets to use. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to the fun stuff, right? This is the archetypes. Um, yeah, did you have any other Magus Arcana that you wanted to point out? Just just uh, as for completeness? No, not really. I was pretty... Uh, I was pretty... Yeah, the, the only other one I wanted to point out is um, Pool Strike. Um, not because I think it's particularly interesting, um, but because I, I had mentioned it a couple times, but you get... It's, it's a very standard, very blastery. You can spend one point from your arcane pool to uh, to to hit somebody with uh, a, a damage type like um, like acid, fire, electricity, or ice. Um, and you can and there's some upgrades to that too. It's very simple. It's very basic, but I think I think it um, kind of fills that kind of like. Well, if I don't have anything else to blast with, maybe I'll blast with my with my points. That, that is uh, that's pretty fair. That's pretty that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just wanted to point that out because I had mentioned it several times. I I just wanted to make sure that that I pointed out. But anyway, to the archetypes, which I think are are, are a lot of fun. Um, the, I, I think we should maybe alternate with like a chosen archetype each until we run out of time. Does that sound good to sure. you? Sure. That's fine. All right. What, what What's your first one, or do you want me to go My first? favorite archetype is the Kensai, which is actually, like, pretty ridiculous. It's got a lot of pieces to it. Um, but I think the pieces are, uh, in and of themselves, um, just really cool. Uh, the, yeah, the Kensai dedicates himself to, like, his single uh, uh, weapon, such that he actually only gains proficiency in simple weapons and a single martial or exotic melee weapon of his choice. And he's not proficient um, with he's not proficient with anything else. He's got diminished spell casting, but he has a couple of cool abilities. The the kind of 
The awesome one is Perfect Strike, which at 4th level, when he hits with his chosen weapon, he can spend 1 point from his Arcane Pool to maximize the damage of that weapon. Um, so just, you know, a, a great sword would just do 12 damage also. So what a great X. Um, the... Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't change stuff like you know sneak attacks or anything like that. Um, but he can. He can use two pools to also power up the strength of his critical hit. His fighter training is a little bit more advanced uh, than the other ones, um, and he gets a little bit more benefit out of uh, critical hits just because of critical uh, perfection, which adds his intelligence bonus on all critical hit confirmation um and you know he just gets those cool you know like these really like you know ruroni kenshin kind of uh like abilities like uh a kensai may always act and may draw his weapon as a swift action during a surprise round though he is considered flat-footed uh until he acts um and during a surprise round when attacking a flat-footed opponent he adds his intelligence modifier to damage uh uh, at 19th level, a Kensai's initiative roll is automatically a natural 20, and he's never surprised. Like, I, I love these. These are such neat abilities. Um, the, his level 20 ability is Weapon Mastery as, as the Fighter class ability, which is replacing, obviously, the spell combat. So I think that the Kensai in general focuses on less on the spell casting and more on the kind of, like, magic weapon side of things. Um where you are you are powering up your weapon with your arcane pool more than you are uh, worrying about spell strike and spell combat. Yeah, I also think it's really interesting because it's also like uh, it's also very much the kind of counterpart to um, well, Kensai was originally a three five prestige class because everything in three five is prestige class. That was very much like a very crit focused. Um, lent itself to being a very cheesy type of uh, fighter build. And I think this is a very cool, um, a very cool interpretation of that kind of fantasy. Um, and I, I like, you know, like in particular, I think that uh, Perfect Strike, instead of, instead of like the Kensai got like doubled uh, crit range in a bunch of ways, um, Perfect Strike making it maximize damage, I think is a good compromise on that that keeps it from being too cheesy. Um, I think, I think it's actually a really cool set of, uh, set of abilities too. I, I agree with you. I think it's um a very good kind of magical swordsman set of abilities. Yeah, definitely. I also like uh I also like superior reflexes where a Kensai can make a number of attacks of opportunity in a round equal to his intelligence modifier, um, which stacks with combat reflexes. I don't know how somebody would trigger twelve combat reflexes in a round, but if you're a Kensai you can fucking do it. Like <laughs> I don't know. I just love Combat stuff like Patrol, that. man. Combat yeah, patrol. That's, that's what it's all about. Oh man, now now I want to make this but buddy, we, we we can't do these or else we'll just end up making infinite characters that I'll never play. <laughs> <laughs> what was your hit, hit me hit me with your class. Um so one of my favorites is the uh Skirner, Skirnier, not sure how to put it. But I like it because it's essentially the shield magus. You get to hit people, you get to do the, the big thrust is you get to do spell combat with your sh- with a shield, and you don't have the spell combat or the um, spell failure chance when you're using your shield. You also get like like the I can say you get less spell access, um, or you less to get the spell casting, um, but you also get to treat your your shield as a bonded item, 
And you can use your arcane pool to make your shield better. Um, yeah, that is actually pretty sweet. Um, and uh, you don't get spell combat until level 8, actually. Which is interesting. Um, but I think it kind of lends itself to, like, you're not fighting so much as you are being defensive. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it lets you use the spell strike with your, with your shield bash. So you shouldn't be waiting in full, full attacking necessarily early. You should be playing a defensive shield, shield person, which is why you've taken this class. Um, uh, what's, uh, this is why you've taken this class, presumably. Um, but I just think that's, uh, um, it's, it's just really neat. Like you can get, you can use uh, spell shield, which is lets you do spell storing on your shield. Um, and you can, uh, and you can at 16th level use it instead of, uh, instead of uh, counter strike, which the base mages gets, you can, when you get hit, activate the spell that you've stored in your shield. And I, just, I really like the flavor of like a guy with uh, of like the magic shield, right? Like, it's, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like definitely. the, like if you wanted to build a Brom, in uh in Pathfinder, this might not be a bad way to do it type of deal. Uh yeah, I actually I think there's a couple of these that we can just kind of go down the list. Uh you know, like the bladed scarf dancer who uses yeah. obviously uh the bladed scarf. The Eldritch Archer is also um you know, it's the it's the Magus built for archery, right? The Staff Magus. I actually like the Staff Magus a little bit more than the others just because I love the ability to... I think you get it at 10th level on the Staff Magus, which allows you to... If I have a Staff of Lightning Bolt, I can use it as a melee weapon, right? Like, that's just... Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, and it has an enhancement bonus equal to uh, either the Staff's caster level... Uh, I think that's I don't know I think that stuff is awesome. See, I like Bladed Scarf Dancer for for sim like, uh, because he gets he gets extra, uh, Dancer Arcana that lets him like do funny stuff with his scarf like attempt steel combat maneuvers, um, uh, or uh, teleport on critical hits. Um, I so I, I that even though it's kind of like oh it's 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 the it's the Magus with the weird weapon. Uh, Bladed Scarf Dancer holds a special place in my heart. Um, but similarly, like you said, we can kind of blast through some of these. Green Steen Slayer is you get sneak attack. Yeah, you get sneak attacks on that one. Um, um, Esoteric is you, you, you it's, it's the unarmed version. Um, I don't think there's, it's, it's, it's like the monk hybrid. Um, uh, the Eldritch Scion, I think it's a bloodline. Yeah, it gets a. Uh, well, uh, Eldritch Scion is actually kind of significant. Because you also become spontaneous, you become a spontaneous caster, and you get like diminished blood rage or stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. You get, uh, but you don't get blood rage as the caster's face. Honestly, one of my favorites of these ones, which I think is the coolest, but also the like the markest, is the card caster, which is kind of like the gambit oh, yeah. fate one, where you could use a de- a hero deck. Um, as like as weapons, but because the hero deck is its own thing that I just do not understand. Uh, when you pull, this is kind of like the Tau, like <laughs> uh, beginning at third level. When the cardcaster randomly draws and throws a hero card matching one axis of his alignment, the card's critical threat range is increased to nineteen to twenty. Uh, and if he draws and throws a hero card matching his alignment exactly, the attack's crit multiplier also increases to times three. Um, just the 
you know. And if it's a full of the fucking moon. <laughs> if he throws it in a direction that it is, you know, in line with magnetic north, right? Like, uh, I should, I love that. I think yeah, that's I feel like there needs to be some wording in in this roll dealer too. It's like, you know. Well, I built my hero deck, and it's all of my exact alignment, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I also like the uh, the hex. Uh, what is it called? Hexcrafter. Hexcrafter, uh, which is the uh, is a, uh, a Megas who borrows witch hexes um, instead of spell recall, and can use uh, hexes and curses and stuff like that. I think that's a, that's, that's a neat ability, uh, just in and of itself, because I like, I like witch hexes a lot. I think, I think like those, that, that's a, that's a good meaty, flavorful class feature that definitely belongs somewhere in an archetype for, you know, Maguses. Yeah, no, absolutely. Magi, I guess. Spellblade lets you have an offhand weapon, uh, made of like magical energy or whatever or or so see this is actually i i've i i i uh this is almost makes too much work because i've I've discussed it with them i actually think that spell blade isn't well done um i think that um this is the one i'm thinking of right oh uh this is the one that it, it cre- you create a dagger of force in your offhand oh never um, mind i'm thinking of um I'm thinking of the one that was in Occult Adventures. I didn't think it was very good. Uh, uh, Soul? Spire Defender? Soul no, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Keep going. You keep talking uh, about this while I figure that out. Uh, the, the, the Spellblade just is uh, built a little bit for, like, two-weapon fighting, um, is basically. But this th- the thing is called an Athame, uh, and you get some neat new Arga- Arcana um, where you can uh, sacrifice... Prepared spells to create your athame, um, uh, and uh, are or that's so that's what you do in general. But then you can also use it from your arcane pool, and you can power it up with your arcane pool. Uh, you can parry stuff with it. Um, you can throw it. Uh, it's just it's a neat little like off off class, I guess. Yeah. Which one? Which one are you looking for? Mind Spidey? blade. Mind blade. Oh, mind blade. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. I don't like this one a lot. I wish it was cooler. Yeah, it, 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 it's one of those things where it feels so much worse because it could have, it should have been so much better. I think. Yeah, definitely. Like the the concept is there, but it takes a little too too much to get to like the point where your weapons are worth it. And like it does the it does the thing that I that I like I've said before I hate, which is the the option or like the the pieces later kind of give you a little bit more options instead of giving you more like a better thing to do like. At seventh level, you can get two of them, and at thirteenth level, you can use it. Two, two. You can make a two-handed psychic weapon. You can essentially let you form weapons with your thoughts. Like that's a fairly, a fairly good. Um, what's the word? Uh, uh, Summary. Or it's a fair. It's a fairly good fantasy to want to play, right? Like, um, and this is all. This is like a harkening back to the old psychic stuff from, or the psionic stuff from uh from three five. Yeah. Like, you know, being able to kind of, like, hold out your hand and, like, cover it in, like, magical energy and, like, stab someone with it. I think that's a perfectly fine, um, that's a perfectly fine fantasy to kind of target. But I really think that this doesn't do enough with it that's cool. And, and like, the, the later stuff 
just doesn't really serve it out well. Definitely. I uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's more that could be done. Uh, those are all of the archetypes that I like, but I do want to mention two more because they're the ones I see most often, which are the Bladebound and the Myrmidark. Okay, yeah. Um, I definitely wanted to talk about Bladebound. Um, well, well, yeah, go, go nuts. Go well, nuts actually, actually, let's talk about Myrmidark first because I think – because I, I also want to talk about that because I had a player move from Myrmidark to Eldritch Archer, and I think that people play Myrmidark a lot, played Myrmidark a lot – because it was the only ranged version of Magus available until Eldritch Archer came out. And I think right, Eldritch yeah. Archer just did it right. Like, I see what they were going for with Remember Dark, because it gives you both melee and ranged. I guess if you wanted to be kind of like the like the man-at-arms, it would make sense. But I just don't think... I think that's, like, one too many things for the Magus to juggle. Is kind of, like, moving from range to melee and pulling all of that off together in a really satisfying way. What did you want to yeah. say about it? Um... <sighs> just that i see it a lot right it's the one that people um seem to uh it's one that people seem to come to uh because it's it's very much filing out a lot of the uh a lot of the you know inline magus abilities for this ability to kind of be a fighter light and i almost wonder if that's indicative of something uh you, do you think that maybe this is one of the ways that i don't know one of the ways that people uh, uh deal with the fact that it is such a giant crunch of a class is you take this archetype to kind of simplify stuff yeah so, i don't know I, th- I, I think i don't know i think there's a lot i think there's a lot yeah i think to be i said i think part of it like, like i said um i think first i think i really think that primarily it was the way to be arranged Magus before, um, like, Cardcaster or, or Eldritch Archer existed. Eldritch Archer came out within the past six months, I want to say. It's it's not... And, yeah, that's recent. It's uh, super recent. And I, I'm actually super surprised that it took them that long to get out. So I think Myrmidark kind of filled that niche to want to be uh, a, essentially an arcane archer without having to go into prestige classes because prestige classes are, by and large, kind of not great in... Path- maybe not not great, but just kind of, like not the focus of Pathfinder, so they, they tend to not come out, as, they not, tend not to flow into the game as well. Um, yeah, I haven't actually seen releases of, do they just not release them anymore, I, I guess? I think they, they come out in, like, weird places, like, the tech guide had some. Um, oh, yeah, Iron I guess Gods. you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that is really weird. That but is I really awkward. I don't think I've seen one in the mainline book for a long, long time. I, I You know, at, at some point they were like, archetypes are better than prestige classes, which is... You know, it's something I think that is very true. Um, but, That's fair. But yeah, to, to get back to the point, I think if you wanted to be a fighter with a little bit of magic flavoring, Myrmidark might be the way to go. And I think that that's... Um, I think that that's... It, it doesn't get there all the way, but I think I think you're right there that, like, if you wanted to be, like, a little bit of a magical fighter, but not a whole lot of magical fighter, Myrmidark might be what you looked at. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and then of course there's the blade bound, blade bound. Jesus Christ! Uh, I always call them black blades, but that's not actually what they're called. They are called blade bound. Um, they might be called black. Uh, maybe I was saying on on D twenty P episode they're called blade bound, but that might be because it's got like a, a copyright name, like black. Oh, uh, that you know what? That might actually be the case. Um, but anyway, their their biggest thing is the black blade. Um. 
explain to uh so the black blade lets you grab um essentially you get an intelligent weapon that's a part of your character um it upgrades with you it's it's got all the bonuses and negatives that intelligent weapons have um and uh you know it, it kind of goes with that and i think it's seems super powerful on face which is why a lot of people take it um, really i think a lot of people take it for the the reason that um i was kind of getting at before which is like the blandness of the class from a flavor perspective black blade that there's that is overloaded man that is some spicy you know flavor uh added to the class um and i think that this is where a lot of people find uh uh like a like a narrative hook rather than the mechanic hook into the class not that i'm really suggest i i don't really think blade you know i well, now that I consider it, I think that's an okay possibility in theory, right? Like, you could kind of sort of solve this problem by implementing something more or less along this, along these mechanics, uh, if not one-to-one. But uh, I, I think that it's such a flavorful archetype that people just see it and they're like, oh, man, what a great, you know, what a cool thing. And now my character has to, you know, argue with his... Uh, uh, argue with his black blade about stuff and it talks to me and shit like that. Um, um, oh, see, see, I was going to go from the other direction. Maybe this this just points to more of our, our Captain Crunch uh, theater kid dichotomy. But to me, it seems like a lot of free power with a downside that isn't real. I think this happens sometimes where, like, you can't oof. really enforce the ego penalty, like, the, the, the intelligent weapon penalty so much without being... Like, without it being a terrible experience for the player, so it tends to kind yeah. of get pushed wow, aside. Yeah, wow, jeez. I didn't even think about it that in, in those terms. But, yes, I agree uh, when, you, when, you, when you say it that way. Yeah, that's – it's uh, – spoilers. When Mark played the, the Magus that I was talking about, he played a blade bound and, like, you know, fucked shit up with his black blade and, like, you know, didn't really have to, like, deal with the fact that his intelligent weapon was weird. Um, and I don't think that that was him like like playing down the effects. I just think it's one. It's a pain to deal with as a as a GM, even just from like remembering. Okay, well, remember to roll your ego, whatever, to make sure that the yeah, thing that yeah, no one else exactly is doing gets mean. dealt with. Yeah, that's that's sucky. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry to knock down your optimism with 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 my. Uh, with my with my captain crunchiness but i yeah that's definitely no i think you are you are right right in there that is a correct uh, a correct assessment i guess um yeah i don't yeah. know did you have anything else you wanted to say about it before i before I, uh no no i uh i feel as though we have got to the bottom i guess of um, I think I, the only other one I think I wanted to mention, I think Spell Dancer is neat in concept. Um, I've never really like played it, so I can't really say, or like even seen anybody try to play it. Um, and it's also an elf one. I always feel, how do you, how do you feel about racial archetypes in general, buddy? Oh, uh, you know, I'm sort of with it when it comes to racial archetypes. Um, I think that they're neat and they're cool and I like them. Uh, I would probably personally make more of a, um, I don't know, in the, uh, like, I, I, you know, okay, so 
for deep marshals, right? It actually says a few non-dwarves have uh, have earned enough trust to be trained as deep marshals or whatever. That's kind of my stance on all of the racial, you know, like it's, yeah. it's more of a suggestion than a rule, and I think that that's important. Um, I want to. I just want to say when you said. Uh, when, uh, when you said deep marshals, I thought you meant like you know like people who go deep into martial classes, and then when you started talking about dwarves. I'm like, wait, dwarves? Wait, the, the spell dancer is an elf, not a like. I'm just imagining a, a dwarven <laughs> spell dancer. I thought that would be, or uh, and I thought that that was hilarious. By but yeah, continue with your point because I think it's, I think it's. I and that's just the end. Of, you know, that's just right. It's it right is that. Um, you know, I'm okay with racial archetypes. Uh, I just think that they are, you know, they're guidelines, right? Um, and that if you if you are Elfie McElfington from Elfland, but you're a half elf instead of an elf, right? It's bullshit that you can't be a spell dancer. I mean, right? you you could because you're a half elf. Oh, oh yeah, I guess you could. Uh, but I mean, if you're a human, yeah, yes, is my point, right? Like if if you were Will Ferrell in Elf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because yeah, because you know some, and I think sometimes it does make sense to make it kind of like there. Are, it's very few for like so. This is kind of gets into the into more of a, a fluffy perspective. But spell dancer is a very cultural archetype, and so I think that you're right for that. I think that some of them like um, just looking at fiend flare, um, which is something I've never I've never read before, but it's supposed to work based on like pulling your own infernal blood, and that's something that comes directly from like the physiology or like um some archetypes let you burn uses of your racial abilities i think you know obviously those have that, to... yeah that's fair those those definitely are a little bit more restrictive though i definitely think that you could be a fiend flayer you know with the right yeah. backstory right like you could be a human fiend flayer sure um and there, there's actually there's there's a feat for, for specifically for humans you can take um like there, there's a feat that lets you count as something else I almost don't think it's worth a feat for that. Um, yeah. Like, like I think I'd, I'd let a player kind of have that feat for fear, maybe as a trait, if I was really feeling like I wanted to pull them down a little bit. But Yeah, but I guess that's, you know, that is uh, the Magus for people who want to, you know, understand a bit about the Magus. Yeah, if you want to be a battle mage, you probably want to be a Magus. Um <laughs> uh, yes yep that's uh, true <laughs> um but yeah what's uh what's coming up from us uh yeah geez what is coming up well uh inside baseball after this we're doing shadow run <laughs> yeah like, literally right after um yeah shadow so yeah shadow run will be uh will be after this episode goes up but before we've or after we've recorded but before the episode goes up um, Wednesday is Hell's Rebels. Yeah, you guys are going to free Vigo, the third of the uh, the third of the NPC advisors that you've been Ooh. tasked with rescuing. Um, he is in places that I guess you haven't actually figured out where he is yet, but you know who knows where he is basically. Um, yeah, I guess that's uh, that's it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and stuff. My Twitter is that buddy Sola. Uh, mine is the at the one true mango. Um, um yeah you can join I, our facebook group uh, yeah we have a facebook group SoundCloud. that's true and following us on soundcloud yeah that's also uh, true. and if you want to tell us why you like the magus or don't like the magus or uh i don't know maybe you think something else is a better battle mage 
Uh, you can email us at some derpsplaygames at gmail.com. Um, you can also comment on the SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Twitch at some uh, twitch.tv slash some derpsplaygames. And uh, you can follow our YouTube channel at uh, – I'll post it because it's not an easy-to-read link. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to get on here and be like, follow us at youtube.com slash QR3. Um, that's yeah. not worth the effort. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I think that's about our show. Goodbye, dear yeah, listeners. That's the sh- yeah, farewell, dear listeners. <laughs>